Okay, welcome everyone to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz and Adam, I'm just recovering from the breaking news that everything is broken in this country. Did you hear that today? <laughs> Everything's just broke. Nothing works. The Zoom meeting does nothing. So, I don't know. I think we should probably just pack it in. <laughs> yeah, Canada's a failure. Let's just call it a day. We'll we'll start fresh tomorrow with a new country. And uh... and that's a wrap for open source. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing for us to talk about. It's just all busted. <laughs> well, it reminds me of like, uh, this is a weird reference, but in, in Gremlins to the new batch, when the, the business guy <laughs> plays like the, the, the end of the world um, bumper. Uh, to to shut down the network, it's like you know, welcome to the end of the world. We're sorry that life on planet Earth is ending. We hope you've enjoyed our programming. Um, I would expect nothing less than a Gremlins two reference. Gremlins two, Gremlins yeah. two is Gremlins two. Not even just Gremlins. It's Gremlins two. I, yeah, Gremlins two is everything. I, I anyway, this is an end credits. Open sources is <laughs> CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show. And you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians. But this week, it will be Guelph's uh, now three-term mayor, Cam Guthrie, who will be joining us. And we're going to talk about the upcoming council business and how he's connecting with all the various new councillors. His thoughts on certain new home building legislation that was suddenly dropped in our laps on the very next day after the election. That's going to be in the bottom half, though. As I said, in the first half, we have some celebrating to do. <laughs> Happy anniversary. No, is it an anniversary? It is a milestone, I suppose. Uh, it's a milestone. 400 episodes. 400. Wow. <laughs> I'm 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 overwhelmed <laughs> by the by the hot 97 air horn, <laughs> which is the only way to celebrate anything. Yeah. <laughs> we yes, I, we're going to toot our own horn for the next I don't know 25 minutes or so. But uh, yeah, about that. Um, the, the the timer is on, the egg timer, as it were. Uh, the clock's always running into something we can't prevent. That's for sure. But. <laughs> That's right. We only get an hour a week or even like 58 minutes because we got to leave some room at the end for PSAs and ads and things. Anyway, um, I, I went to the trouble, actually wasn't much trouble, of of going back to the first show notes page for the first episode of Open Sources back on wow. January 8th, 2015. And uh, so here were the stories we talked about. We did five at the time. Um, which was boy was that that was that was a lot of heavy lifting but um we did we talked about that the then recent attack on the offices of charlie hebdo mm. um the fallout from the sony hacks uh if people remember that that somebody um hacked the the sony company and released a ton of emails um some of which were quite scandalous and include uh threats um to a movie about uh two slackers who go to north korea and attempt to assassinate kim jong-un um then there was uh 
Bill Cosby. There was a protest at Center in the Square in front of a Bill Cosby show that was oh, happening man. there that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there was uh, a group at Dalhousie University dental students who had a secret Facebook group where they were free to be as misogynist as they wanted to be. And uh, there was some question about what punishment they should face. And here's a here's a way back playback. Uh, Julian Fantino was ousted as Veterans Affairs Minister and and, and replaced with Aaron O'Toole. Um, both names you will not hear from ever again. Um, <laughs> uh, Julian Fantino. I didn't look up the history of the scandal, but it was it was essentially that uh, this was after, I believe, the shutting of some Veterans Affairs offices and. Julian Fantino was less than responsive. So it became one of those like just uh, ugly political stories of uh, of a politician who seemed utterly and completely unresponsive to his constituency. So that's what we talked about on our very first show. And uh, definitely all of that stuff never came back to haunt us. <laughs> Feels like, yeah, I think that's one of the ones where there's the recording didn't exist, right? Or it may be out there somewhere in the archives, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't appear for some reason. I, I'm not sure if that's when the archives was just getting started, or there was a problem. But because I did, I did my own little hunt trying to go back. I, I and I think you're the same as me, Adam. I still have all of my notes, right? <laughs> Even though we don't need them, you kind of collect them, and it is interesting sometimes to go back. It's like it's almost like journaling, but not exactly. But yeah, it seems like it seems like a long time ago now. When you name those names and five, to- well, the five topic formula came from descended from beyond the ballot box, right? Because it was yeah, five, yeah. five guests or five people around the the, the mini horseshoe, whatever we called it, and <laughs> then we all we only only had to say one or two things on each topic. So yeah, <laughs> and I think we played the BBC too, right? I forget, like, uh, I yeah. Kick off. yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe which we had to get rid of because there's just so much to talk about. But yeah, um, and while we're on the topic of Beyond the Ballot Box, which I, I know some of our listeners will remember and have stuck with us since those times, I wanted to send a bit of a shout out actually uh, in honor of this 400th. But also, I know that I believe that they may still both listen to Oliver Rockside and Jen Hall, who were the masterminds behind Beyond the Ballot Box, to mm-hmm. which this show is a direct descendant. And then, of course. As I've mentioned countless times, there was sort of prior events like the covering of elections and things that happened at the station where it just was a coming together of of different parties. Something that might be a little bit difficult to do now, because I was also thinking back at him to the, you know, prior to Beyond the Ballot Box when everything was going down in the should we call it Ford Era One? I don't know. The civic <laughs> the municipal Ford era where uh Rob Ford would get up to shenanigans at four in the afternoon and then we'd be like madly cramming for the five o'clock show. I remember that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because coming into 2015, it was, it was after John Tory became uh mayor of Toronto. So Rob Ford was out. And at that point he was sick and he was, he, although yeah. he was still the, the, I was going to say the MP for Etobicoke, but that's not right. He was the counselor for Etobicoke. He was the kingpin of Etobicoke. Yeah, point. essentially. Along with his brother. Um, yeah, but I mean, his brother was out. That's a, I mean, this is one of the fascinating stories of the last eight years of, of the show is like how Doug Ford went from his brother's enforcer to like leaving politics altogether and just be like, I'm out. I can't take this. I hate this. I'm going back to the sticker business. And then just like a few years later, 
he he gets back into pol- initially and people forget initially he was going to run it in a in like a re-race against John Tory in 2018 and then Patrick Brown gets gets thrown out and Doug Ford decides no 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 I'm going to be premier of Ontario instead and the rest as they say is history <laughs> yeah phenomenal change I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed that we yearly we do predictions about what's what's to come and what's you know mm-hmm. what could potentially happen, mm-hmm. and I'm usually generally wrong. Or maybe yeah, I get myself fifty percent, but the, <laughs> the Doug Ford <laughs> maybe a little higher. But the Doug, my my worst one was oh yeah, Justin Trudeau will never be prime minister, and there look what happened. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, w- with Doug Ford, like I would, there's I wouldn't have put any money on that, no, at all, no, and yet and yet here we are, and again. Here we are again. <laughs> feels like it feels like a rerun. Feels like we've done this before because we have we have done this before. But yeah, and I I don't know. I suppose you should wait till the the turn of the year. But my prediction would be that he will he won't see out his term. Mm. I th- I think somebody's going to slide in there, or or the, the people that control him will strongly suggest that he should step aside and. I mean, I don't know. Sorry, I, I, I dove right into like what's a normal show topic there, rather than sort of fetting our our. But this is this is what we do when when Adam and I people don't know this when Adam and I are off. You know, when we're not actually recording this, <laughs> sometimes there's a whole other show of discussion about what's going on in the mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's. I mean, it's entirely possible. But I I I Doug Ford is one of like as as a topic area is something I I wouldn't make predictions on. I I'm I'm actually very surprised he's still out you know he was out earlier today talking about the Brantford bypass and um I'm kind of still surprised that they have him out front cuz usually what happens after one of these scandals is Doug Ford goes away for a couple of weeks. Have you ever noticed this that you know Doug Ford oh, yeah. slips on, slips on a banana peel um and the whole province is thrown into chaos and then he disappears for like two or three weeks and then comes back with something a little more benign like i don't know like we're we're now we're now going to be running go trains to niagara all year long yeah. or something like that um something that's considered a good news story but they're, they're considering right. this a break week they have yeah. a lot of they have a lot of breaks for all the complaining about people not working. And I know people work in their constituency offices when they get back, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it is interesting. Um, one of the reasons I went back to the first show is um, I look at this as I look at it as sort of like a primer of, of like what sort of came up in, in the year since. So like something like the Charlie Hebdo attack, it reminds me like, mm-hmm. At this time, we were looking for ISIS extremists, like undercover everywhere. Um, and it's not to say that wasn't a legitimate, illegitimate fear, because, you know, this week there's the story about Kimberly Pullman, who, you know, was one of these quote unquote ISIS brides who went over to Syria mm-hmm. and, you know, to, to be a, uh, a kept a woman for ISIS fighters. And that all went to pot and essentially Canada had to be forced to have to to repatriate her so i mean so that like that, that's still a relevant story like the, the sony hacks fallout like the, the sony hacks themselves is a kind of a done story but on the other hand um it, it's also like hacking cyber attacks have become a local story like it happened at the u of g it happened at the waterloo district school board it happened at sobeys 
Um, they're not calling it a cyber attack though. They're calling it like a IT Preach. issue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, where it's making hard for people to get their prescriptions. Um, the Cosby thing, like that was an early indicator of like me too. Like it was two years, almost three years later that me too started. Um, and you can say the same thing about the, you can sort of lump that in with what happened at Dalhousie with the dental students. Mm-hmm. And and again, here this week, um, this was making the rounds on social media. Um, this video of this guy uh, in Indiana, Jacob Yerkes, who is like following a female coworker around um, to the point where like she was, you know, her father threatened him to stay away from her. And he calls the police and says, this girl won't let me stalk her. And, you know, he's telling the police about how, uh, you know, all, all women have rape fantasies. And it's like, well, you can sort of see the tendrils of this, like this misogynism in, in this like one Dalhousie dental student Facebook group where they're talking about hate sex and, and chloroforming female students and, and, and this sort of thing. Um, you know, you can also see the tendrils of things like the Proud Boys and the incel movement in the last few years. So it's there's an interesting sort of kaleidoscope in that first episode where you turn it a little and you can sort of see all the colors uh, burst out. It's it's interesting. Yeah, it's amazing how the the sets of topics kind of carry on throughout throughout time throughout the years now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure we could go back through all the notes that we've saved and say, yeah, there it is again and again and again. Tick tick tick. And of when you're talking about 2015, that is just just pre-Trump era. Yes, which yes. I think was a bit of a stick of dynamite to everything you just talked about. <laughs> right? It's just sort of on things are on simmer, and then Trump appeared, and things changed. Like he's definitely, a, I was going to say for better or for worse. There's no better. It's worse. <laughs> Uh, you know, light the paper and set her on fire because that that's what happened. And couple that too, I would say that the two over that range of time, our eight mm-hmm. year slice, mm-hmm. the, the the two massive things have been Trump and COVID. And I know there's mm-hmm. there's nuance there. There's other things in there, but in terms of the two things that that just shifted everything, mm-hmm. Trump gets in there and shifts politics completely. It was already it was already on its way. Mm. It's already on its way to the, there's polarization there. And then it was just boom, Trump. And we, we still see the remains of that. And, you know, the midterms that just passed that they're still picking apart. Uh, there's s- some things to suggest that Trump, you know, isn't the powerhouse that he was at one point or was considered to be, but again, that still needs to be all unwound. But yeah. And, and COVID is still with us. And I, I, you know, COVID didn't help in terms of, uh, among other things, socialization of people. That, that video, that's the one they're called the incel video. I didn't watch it, but it was widely shared. Mm-hmm. And I just, I read some of the comments comments and commentary and I'm like, this actually happened. Mm. We've talked about other attacks as well, like the 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 attack on the, in Toronto there with the van attack mm. and, and others too, that are just, that are direct, a direct root of this, Proud Boys and other, just so many branches of the same tree, but you know, I wonder if if we inadvertently in episode one just kind of set the baseline for where we were going to go. And right. then, you know, there are other stories in there, but it's uh, wow. Well, well, you call Trump like he kind of forced everything else, but Trump also hyper accelerated things. Like 
You know, mm-hmm. what was one of the biggest Trump scandals before he was elected president? It was his comments on Access Hollywood about essentially assaulting women and how he can get away with it because he's a star, um, which, you know, sounds very much like how Bill Cosby led his life. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you, you know, he was able to get away with it because he was a star, um, at least in America's he- dad or whatever they called him. Right. Oh, well, exactly. It's like he wasn't even like a, a figure of like tabloid delusion like donald trump was uh the other thing too is um yeah i i actually pulled up the first episode where we talked about trump or i didn't pull up the episode but i I pulled up the show notes june 13th or june 18th 2020 or 2015 see i mean even i'm messing up the times here um the crowd when he announced or yeah it was the week he announced the crowded republic presidential field for 2016 got even more crowded this week when former florida governor jeb bush (laughs) and real estate mogul donald trump officially entered the race um so i mean at this point it's like you know there wasn't even the danger sign that's why the isis thing is interesting in the charlie hebdo attack we were like we were so intently focused on (laughs) the islamic extremist it's sort of the miss the sort of growing right wing white supremacy extremism that would help contribute to the Trump victory. Um, and of course, you know, and th- that's something else that came out of 2015, though several months after the first show was, you know, at the, here at the top of the show, we're looking at Islamic extremists, but it's really become that right wing white supremacy, white nationalism, extremism, which is also embodied in things like the proud boys, Western chauvinism. That has become very much a theme of the show. And of course, that's also embodied in Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. He's their hero to yeah. some degree, right? That stand back and stand by as if he was in the debate there. It was like he was giving them a message. And of course, they're going to roll with that, right? Yeah. Even even though he's not president. I mean, I guess you're president for life. They still call you Mr. President, right? <laughs> At all events, whatever. But <laughs> yeah, he's just his overarching presence and like I said, even though he's a bit diminished with these uh, midterms, right now he's doing the strongly hinting very, 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 how many varies, you know, to, mm-hmm. that will determine <laughs> whether it's actually going to happen or not. But he's strongly hinting that he's going to do it. Um, well, the, the question is, at, at this point, and again, we're looking into the future a bit, it, it, you know, uh, there was no red wave. Like, the, it's still very much to be determined as we're recording this like who will control the house and the senate um but i mean there was no red wave or and and there was especially no red tsunami and you know a lot of people are putting this blame on him for choosing like the worst like idiots to be frank to to run for office Mm -hmm. um you know as it stands today like the six the seven I think this was in Mother Jones that there were seven gubernatorial candidates who were like all in on Stop the Steal 2020. As of as we're recording this, six have already been declared the losers. And there's one, which is the Arizona race with with Carrie Lake and, and Katie Hobbs. And it looks very much like Katie Hobbs is going to win because it's it's a lot of it is the absentee and the mail in votes, which are the, the last numbers to come in and have overwhelmingly leaned Democrat. So looking forward i mean yeah monday donald trump is out there like next week i'm gonna have a super duper special announcement if you know what i mean (laughs) wink wink nudge nudge but at this point you know you have to look at the round of the situation it's like are you now (laughs) you know here you are another you know another election loser and at what point you know do you 
and he wasn't even in the race like he's not in the white house he's not you know on the ballot he's not anything he's just this like specter at the banquet so you know is is the republican party really going to want you back on the ballot again uh i mean oh, i didn't lose it's all fraud it's all fake. well that's yeah that's the and that's the other thing too i've heard and even a couple of comments about this show is like, why do we talk about the U.S. so much? It's just because yeah. the effect is so deep, and it's I would I would not just politics that. and and the and the 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 border between the two countries, right? But those types of things where people think results are fake, made up information, the denial right. of science, the denial of reality, and all yeah. of this mythical stuff that's just. And we're we're finding, as we found, <laughs> for you know, very heavily within our local election this time to bring it back home to Guelph, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that these ideas that have spread mostly from the U.S. generally have crept into the levels here as well, right up into and including their our most recent local elections. I don't think it's a phenomenal US, degree but... as we've seen with with some of one in particular <laughs> of the people <laughs> that we spoke to. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's just U.S. influence because Gavin McGinnis is Canadian. Yeah. Ezra well, Levant is Canadian. Secret Canadians, yeah. You know, Lauren yeah. Southern's Canadian. Yeah. Um, Faith Goldie, like the guy who broke into Paul Pelosi's house is Canadian. <laughs> yeah, it's like we used to send musicians, right? He used to send like Joni Mitchell and Neil Young, and now we send yeah. people yeah, we... from Crazy Town to just go stir it up. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just like, I, I want to say this clear and on the record. I do not want to dedicate two more years of my life to ana- to analyzing Donald Trump and his ego and his insanity and his monosyllabic illiterate speech patterns. Like I don't want that. You don't want that. I most of our listeners No, don't only want if that. it's <laughs> No, only if it's in a humorous light. I mean, a, like a the Simpsons the, level discussion. Because other than that, it's just like, oh like my god, s- mm. almost seven and a half out of the last eight years, Donald Trump has again been the specter at a banquet, if not like the full out poltergeist at the banquet, like <laughs> throwing kids into closets and making trees come to life and having the clown strangle the kid. It's just and he's at the waffle <laughs> station. It was very, very good waffles. Very delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I wish he would just play golf, eat waffles, and if somebody is if somebody is so like stupid enough to hold their wedding reception at your tacky resort, you like and you want to wander in and take the microphone and talk about how everyone's stabbed you in the back and you know being being a billionaire who fell bass backwards into becoming president of the United States on his first try makes you the most unfairly treated person in the history of mankind whatever as long as i don't have to see it <laughs> it, it would almost be worth it for that like if you had enough coin to have an event in just rent it trump shows up oh my god I, must, mean, if it, yeah, I don't know there's got to be somebody out there that does it just to just to uh... i mean if you were to like start a cameo where you'd like give him like 200 bucks and he would like <laughs> And the twenty the twenty twenty election was the most corrupt election you've ever seen in your life. And happy birthday, Kevin! It- <laughs> <laughs> and when I'm in Canada, I listen to open sources. <laughs> it's a really good show, you know. And Alice is really fair, very good. <laughs> no, that'll never happen. But although never seen it, right? 
yeah, that's the that's the supreme lesson of of the last eight years is never say never. Mm-hmm. It's we should uh, make that our tagline, right? Never say never. <laughs> never say never again. Oh no, that, that that's taken. That's and that's that's another show. That's right? literally a James Bond movie. Yeah, it's yeah. um, yeah, the the, the 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 threads have been there, and and then I think these are the things. Maybe to, to wrap this portion of the show up, like these are the things that are going to continue to be um drivers of the news for the next few years like Mm -hmm. you know white supremacy um issues around misogyny and women's rights and queer rights um extremism um but also you know some of these you know local issues that we were talking about you know involving doug ford doug ford is isn't going away anytime soon either he has a mandate and if this is like his opening you know, this is still a the second term of the government, it's still a young government. So I mean, this is like the opening, um, the opening salvos is like throwing out, you know, municipal planning and you know using the notwithstanding clause to force people back to work before they've even striked. You know, what comes next? Stay tuned. <laughs> exactly, and just to um, just to finish off for on my end of it anyway, we should thank. All, all of the guests that have come by from the political realm and otherwise over the mm-hmm. years, especially mm-hmm. the frequent flyers. We're going to have one at the bottom of the hour, obviously. And, uh, you know, thanks. Thanks for keeping on coming back. Thanks to the listeners out there, both on the FM and in podcast form mm-hmm. from local to the county and around the world, from what we understand. <laughs> and uh, all the staff here at CFRU, I'm saying here, even though we're not physically there, but that's right. We really appreciate all of your work keeping everything rolling because we belong on the FM and this is this is our home. And Adam, I want to thank you for being the 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 you know the chief instigator of this whole thing. Chief assignment editor, as I've called you facetiously over the years, but it's true though. You you <laughs> are you know keep the wheels rolling and for all of your work both on this show and as Guelph Politico, the oh. famous Guelph Politico. Well, thank you, Scotty, for being so reliable uh, a partner in this endeavor. Um, And uh, I guess we will catch up again in two years when it's episode 500. (laughs) Hamburgers delivered by drone. That's what's going to happen. Yes. That's my prediction for the future. (laughs) Drone hamburgers. (laughs) I mean, it's in case you haven't been to the Denny's uh, at the North End. uh, Yeah. They they have a robot server there, so um, oh, is that, that the one with the cat face was in the paper? Yeah, yes, yes. So that might yes, be. Yes, I still look at newspapers, people. That's you know, <laughs> the teletype is warming up, and I'm going to get a report about the robot. Really, <laughs> all right. Uh, as Scotty said, coming up next, and I actually crunched the numbers. This is the 63rd interview we've done Ooh. on the show this year. So um, it's been a brief. Not with Cam. <laughs> no, not with Cam. Um, He's been on sixty-three. Yeah. No, but it's it, you know it, it, it's been a busy year. So. Oh yeah. We're gonna take a quick break and come back with Cam Guthrie. You're listening to Open Sources Guelph. You're on CFRU ninety-three point three FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio.
that song is definitely not in the CFRU charts. It may have been back in the day. I doubt it, though. Uh, th- that one goes out to uh, the people I mentioned before, the longtime listeners will recognize that as the theme from Beyond the Ballot Box, stolen from the Full Monty, and has been the template for pretty much all instrumental music that we play on the show. The song is called The Zodiac, the artist David Lindup from KPN Classics. <laughs> all default incidental music throughout time, at least for us, and Spider-Man and others. Nobody's going to sue because they're not alive anymore, probably. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. You're just thinking we got a letter saying, uh, dear sirs. <laughs> we represent the state of Sid Dale, and you've been authorized, unauthorized using his music for the last eight years, boys. Um, and then they stomp on my you computer. You owe us 10,000 pounds. So like, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, that was our Simpsons reference for the day. Um, we're going to move on to, oh, yes, our interview with Mayor Cam Guthrie. Um, so Cam was reelected, uh, pretty handily a couple of weeks ago, uh, in the municipal election. And we wanted to sort of get him on the record right away. Um, also cause it's the 400. So we wanted to have someone, uh, kind of prestigious on the show. Um, mm-hmm. so, so why not the mayor and, uh, Justin Trudeau doesn't return my emails. So, um, <laughs> his form doesn't form. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, uh, Cam joined me uh, a little earlier this week to talk about stuff coming up at city council, how he's uh, coordinating with all the new members, um, how he's uh, using these days um, before council kind of resumes to do some advocacy work about the new legislation, Bill 23, um, that that was brought forward, not coincidentally, the day after the election. So uh, a lot of ground to cover. We're going to get right to that. Uh, Mayor Cam Guthrie starting right now. Okay, uh, Mayor Cam Guthrie. Mayor, once again, Cam Guthrie, thank you for coming on with us today. Uh, thank you very much. I, I had this thought during the campaign, and I, I was hoping, I was waiting for the results to, to formally ask you your thoughts. But, um, you know, you did have five competitors to running in for re-election. Um, you know, depending on how you feel, maybe they weren't they didn't bring sort of like a level of community experience that could, you know, I guess come for the king as it were, you know, in a, in a, in a way that, uh, you know, might've led to, uh, an upset victory. But I mean, what's your interpretation of, you know, your standing in the community that, um, you know, the, the competition was kind of weak running for reelection. So, you know, I, you know, I, I say this often, maybe too often, but, you know, not not every politician or leader owns every idea. So, mm. you know, when other candidates come forward, whether it's councillors or or mayoral candidates, uh, you know, you, you basically are entering the arena of ideas and the people that are cheering or or jeering you uh on or throwing tomatoes at you uh depending on what it is is the audience around that are uh, the citizens around that uh, arena right so uh you know it's it's fine to hear opinions it's fine to hear new ideas and uh um you know i was obviously very happy with the results uh and you know it's a pretty strong mandate and to to keep being uh the mayor and i love what i do so uh you know, all the best to those five, those other five. It's, it's fine with me. It is, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, then let's look ahead. Uh, then uh, you're coming into a council, a new term of council with um, five new faces, um, varieties of experiences and and ideas coming forward. Uh, you kind of, I, I guess, from an organizational point of view, got lucky. You only had to sort of welcome two new faces at the beginning of last term. But uh, there's a yeah. there's a there's a change in dynamic coming. Is is that how you're feeling? Yeah, no, I would 100% agree with you. And I'm actually, I'll, I'll add the word excited. Uh, I have uh, reached out to all, all new five uh, of them, and I've had an opportunity now to meet with uh, three out of the five already this week. So, you know, right away I reached out, let's get together. And and so, uh, and, and the other two, by the way, we're going to get together. I just haven't had an opportunity to, to meet with right. them yet. Right. Uh, but uh you know, I got to be honest with you, with you and your listeners. Like, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, there, I think it will it will be a new dynamic. There'll be a new flavor, but on top of all that, there'll be new ideas. And uh, I, I, I've often said over my time there, you know, sometimes we need a fresh set of eyes on things, and that includes a fresh set of eyes on on uh, it includes me in that, right? Like, we need we need as a team to to be able to open our ears and our eyes to some new ideas and new voices. We certainly got them. And uh, so far I've been very pleased with the counselor candidates that are, that were successful in speaking with them. And uh, they're really excited too. I'm interested to hear you say that because uh, somebody sent me a tweet on election night and perhaps you saw it too, but uh the immediate interpretation was that you were reelected with a uh, hand handily. You have, you do have a mandate from, from all those who did vote. Um, and I guess the immediate impression from this person was that uh, the city has elected a council that might make it more difficult for you to achieve some of your policy goals and ideas. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, so, you know what? Uh, that's interesting. Take, <laughs> uh, I would, I would say this in response did every candidate talk about housing? Mm. Yes. Did every candidate talk about affordability? Yes. Does every candidate believe that we should have a safe community? Yes. <laughs> um, and I could go on with the different themes, right? So we just come at it probably a little bit different. Not on complete opposites, I would, I would state, but... Actually, we're probably more aligned. It's just around the edges where we might have those differences of opinions or different ideas on how to implement those things. But it's not like, uh, you know, completely opposite converging ideas uh, of things uh, right. that I, I look at these counselors um, through a lens that it's going to be difficult. I actually don't think it's going to be difficult. And you know what? Sometimes that narrative is easy to say um, during an election. It's sometimes easy to say right, right, you know, instantly after an election. Uh, but you look back uh, on every term I've been involved in. The reality is, and by the way, as a counselor and as mayor, mm. uh, you look back on every single one. At the end of the day, it's like, what is it? Like 95% of every single vote is unanimous. Right. It's it's really it's around the edges. It's that five percent uh, where there could be uh, different values or principles or or ideology or ideas on how to implement things. That's where that five percent is. And uh, I have a feeling that this council will be no different. We'll find our ways to cooperate 
to get things done because actually we all fail and we all look bad if we move into this and then have this narrative of uh, not being able to work together or complete right. opposites. Uh, the entire community fails and then we all look bad and, and that's not what anyone elected us to do. Especially if that narrative gets set early. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm certainly not subscribing to that. And I certainly hope the other counselors won't subscribe to that. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I think if anyone does subscribe to that, they'll stick out like a sore thumb. I don't think the community will like it. Mm -hmm. All right. Then looking at the big issues facing council, uh, interesting timing from the provincial government that they introduced sort of sweeping changes to (laughs) (laughs) municipal policy the day after. And you're laughing too. Um, but I mean, you, you know, you talk when in the summer when Councillor Gordon brought forward that motion about the strong mayor powers, and you were you were very firm on that too. It's like I don't need strong mayor powers. I don't want strong mayor powers. But in something like this, in which the policy is set, and you as the mayor can't say, "Well, we're going to follow the old policy, not the new policy," um, have you been painted into a corner then? To you know. I, I guess essentially, can you still promise the same kind of community engagement and sort of fulsome community involvement in these planning decisions if the province has said no? Well, you know, I'm actually going to, I don't know when you're going to air this right now, but I'm actually speaking uh, as the chair of the Ontario Big City Mayor's Caucus. I'm actually going to the committee uh, okay. next, I think, um, to speak on behalf of the the 29 municipalities and mayors uh, about our concerns with bill 23 and uh, and also our, our our likes as well you know there's not 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 the whole thing is bad uh, but we have we have some real concerns about some of that and why so why do i say that i say that because to answer your question is as if i'm fully informed and mm-hmm. we're not yet fully informed. Like mm. the, the reason why the government is at least giving an opportunity for some feedback and hopefully they take it from, from someone like myself, from, from Association of Municipalities of Ontario, from, 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 from citizens, from whoever they want to listen to the, at the committee level. We hope that maybe there will be some amendments, some changes before it actually becomes legislation. I find that to try to completely write the whole thing off, whether you don't like it or even to praise some of it that you might like, is mm. somewhat a little bit early because we got to find out what the actual regulations and legislation is going to be. I'm hoping that there will be some amendments certainly in it um, of the concerns that we have. And uh, and then I can maybe answer your question a bit more. Am I painted into a corner? I, I, I don't know. I really don't. I would say, I would answer it this way. Maybe the painting has begun, mm. <laughs> but I just don't know if I've been painted <laughs> into the corner yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, at the same time, um, I want to look at the issue from another way, which is there are an, a number of counselors have noted this. We have a lot of uh, projects that have been approved, not necessarily a lot, a lot of projects that have been started. And granted, there's like, you know, a variety of issues like construction costs and availability of crews and, and things like that. But would it be fair to say that maybe we could use some more help on that end of things, like getting the units that have been approved, like getting them going as oh, opposed to. Yeah. Oh, of course. Absolutely. No one's off the hook here. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I said this during the uh, election, like 
building homes requires many uh, players to play along and get along, right? So that includes council and in the in the you know in the lane that we are in from an, a, a regulatory body of uh, approving things. It includes staff to help with the process as part of it to get things faster. Uh, it includes uh, the developers, whether they're private or, uh, or, or or nonprofit. It includes them to make sure they're submitting applications properly to make sure that they're they're pushing things through, uh, you know, as just as fast on their end. Uh, but it also includes the community too, uh, so that you know the not in my backyard type of you know activism that creeps up every now and then. We need to get over that. Uh, we we are a community that needs to figure out how to play together uh, in in regards to the housing crisis. So it it, it is accurate. You're I, I would never dismiss. It's, I can't dismiss facts. Facts are facts. Right. There are probably thousands yeah. of uh, um, what's it called approved but unbilt uh, lands and for uh, for building. And uh, you know I can I can uh, to a certain extent uh, understand. Some developers saying like, well, it's it is a tough market right now with getting financing or uh, there's material issues or there's labor uh, shortages. I, 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 no one would dismiss that where I would uh, push back a little bit is like, well, and I, I can't give you an example. I'm only assuming this. Have you have they been sitting on land for 10 years, mm. 15? I, I don't know. But you can understand sort of some of the, the issues of the day, but has there been land that has been approved and not built on that's been uh, well before some of the crisis issues that we're facing right now? And I think that's a fair question right. to find out why it hasn't been moving forward. And if I could just say one extra thing on that, that's one of the things I'm going to be saying. I'm giving you a little bit of a preliminary here on what I'm going to <laughs> say at the, at the committee, at the uh, provincial government next week is, you know, you're going to try to penalize municipalities for not meeting certain pledges or goals. Um, but what happens when we are actually doing the work to approve things, but then the development community is not, not building them? Right. So why are we at fault for that, right? So it's there, that's why I continually come back to say the finger pointing is just useless, we gotta all play together on this issue because everyone knows it's an issue. Mm. Like every, you know, every party doesn't matter even what political party in the provincial election. Every political party agreed. There's 1.5 million homes that need to be built. Everyone said that. Uh, all the, you know, outside politicians, like the experts, like Mike Moffat and others in the in the in the in the province, they 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 show like clearly we need the homes. So every, everyone's on board on that. Uh, it's, so let's stop pointing the fingers and penalizing this and penalizing that. And, and uh, let's, let's just try to figure out how to get more units done quickly. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, uh, our, our, our share of that 100, uh, 1.5 million homes is about 18,000. And I did read an interview that you did with Global News. Uh, you do think that's achievable um in, in terms of sort of the resourcing and, and things that we have right yes um you know if we have if we can include the several thousand uh approved but unbuilt 
lands that are already there waiting. If we look to approve at a minimum what's embedded in the draft zoning uh, bylaw next year, um, coupled with the changes in Bill 23, which include, you know, as of right, three units and such. Now, at, at the draft, last, the draft, I actually said, why don't we do four? Mm. Uh, so that was a takeaway for, for, for staff to look at. And actually, I'll give a shout out to uh, Mike Schreiner, our MPP, because even he wrote a letter saying we should look at doing four. So I was, I was happy that, uh, that he's on side with that. <laughs> uh, so if we look at the if we look at all of those t- combined together and then project out the next eight years, mm. um, I think, you know, if we're hammering through that, you know, a couple thousand units a year of approved, I think we'll be able to meet that pledge. And I believe that pledges, goals and things like that are, are good things. I mean, we have a we have a goal uh, trying to be uh net zero by 2050 so we align ourselves like so sometimes these aspirational goals can actually help to align processes and policies and votes and people to actually try to do things especially in a crisis and and on that what kind of word about alignment too because one of the things that the uh bill 23 does is it you know make things like end exclusionary zoning allow for triplexes quadplexes things like having three units on the same property which that is something city of guelph has already done a lot of this stuff is already in progress in the comprehensive zoning bylaw review so i mean in in a way the province is catching i mean all communities are different 445 municipalities in ontario but in terms of guelph a lot of this stuff is in progress yeah. And so that's why, you know, when I look at this pledge that has to be due, you know, feels like a <laughs> feels like a report for a teacher or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's due, due. The due date is March 31st or March something uh, next year. And I feel like we're going to be OK, like we're going to sh- cause we have to show how we're going to do it. And as I said, with all the things I've outlined already, I think we're going to be I think we're going to be OK. Uh, but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean though that we still being okay is not in my mind, the right headspace to be in, in a crisis that we are in right. one bedroom apart, one bedroom apartments are over two grand. Yeah. Like we've got to help with supply. We've also got to help with just up zoning. Uh, like I- I've talked about how I think it was three years ago or so, like our own staff came to us and said, we believe to help with gentle density, we should allow three bedrooms in basement apartments. That was an actual recommendation from staff. Now, council said no uh, and didn't vote that in. I would like to bring that back for our discussion in the draft zoning bylaw that will be coming in the in the first quarter next year. So we, we can look to create more opportunities of units uh, a diversity of units, a balance. You can't all have just apartments. You have to have a mix. And uh, and hopefully with all of those changes, we'll be able to do it. But that includes processes to make things faster. That includes, you know, I, I hate to say it because it's so cliche, but a reduction of red tape, quote unquote. <laughs> uh, you know, we have, but we do, we do. We have to, we have to not just be okay with things. We have to push our way through making things easier for for people to uh, to get a home. Right. Uh, I do want to t- try and attack 
another couple of issues before we run out of time. Sure, um, sure. There was the the police board meeting a couple of weeks ago that talked about the homecoming costs. Um, I mentioned this because, you know, CFRU is based out of uh, the U of G. So I do want to touch on a kind of a, it might affect students yeah. too. Uh, there was this motion last year that was passed at the board about trying to share costs with the U of G. Uh, a report was supposed to come back this year, but uh, I'm curious what the update is on that. So, excuse me, the, the, up, your, your best to probably speak to the chair of the, of the police board as the mm-hmm. spokesperson for this police board. Sure. Um, or the or the chief, but I can I can't answer the theme of your question as the mayor, if you don't mind. Okay. Sure. Okay. So um, we'll put your mayor, mayor on pause. <laughs> yeah, as the mayor, I believe that somehow the university does need to partner on this issue more. Uh, I I mean, I'm the one that moved. I think the mo. I think I think it was me. The motion mm-hmm. last year, or I supported. I can't remember. Uh, and um, I do look at some, not a lot, but some other municipalities that have universities embedded in them that that do partner in some way or another on on these issues. And um, I, you know, I think it's something I would I would actually like to actually have a, a little bit of a chat with the CSA on mm-hmm. campus. Mm-hmm. Is there something that can also be from a partnership point of view? through them, not just university administration, but actual, you know, the student organizations there as well. So um, it is on my sort of, you know, mayoral to-do list (laughs) uh, to to have some discussions on. I would have liked, I think, it to be moved a little bit faster on sort of some of these solutions, Mm -hmm. which is why it's still on the list. All right, fair enough. I'll have you put your mayor hat all the way back on then. to talk about the the 2023 budget essentially it's a confirmation vote but i think that a lot of counselors are going to be looking at that 5.35 levy increase number and are going to be wondering how that can be shaped down given all these issues of affordability we're talking about so uh how difficult yeah. is that going to be going forward um well you know i think it's going to only be as difficult as we make it mm. uh and uh you know Difficult is about, I think, or or not difficult, but the way we attack the budget this this time, in my view, can't be through a lens of confirmation. Mm. It needs to be through a lens of really dissecting the budget, taking our time. We do have five new members of council that their voice is very important. I don't think... I don't want to speak for them, but I, I wouldn't think, well, I didn't go door to door for three months and they, they didn't either uh, to just come in and not have any type of say or have their fingers within the budget to try to leave their, their mark on it. So I'm hoping that we can have a much more fulsome discussion about it because I would agree with you that the appetite for over 5% or maybe even higher now because of you know other inflationary pressures um, is is on the table, which means at the end of the day, it comes down to difficult choices, and uh, uh, and what uh, is a need versus a want. Uh, but I have said this to all the new counselors that I've been meeting with, and happy to say it to you and all your listeners too. Really, what it comes down to for me, where I think we can actually find our way forward, is pace. Mm. The, the word is pace. 
do do we continue to sort of have our foot on the gas pedal moving as fast as we've been moving or do we kind of back off a little bit that doesn't mean stopping or canceling it could mean pausing it could mean pushing it out a, a couple of years I, I don't I don't know until I get the documents to figure out those questions but I believe ultimately at the end of the day council will have decisions on pace Mm. and and how fast are we going to go and i you know today we're talking today and like in, in i don't know in like three hours or so our minister of finance from the federal government is going to give the the sort of the state of the uh the union for uh finances for our country right, right. and i have a feeling that it's going to be uh pretty cautious mm. and when i see the federal government saying Things like we have to be fiscally prudent, we have to stop spending, and I'm hearing that ministries are being told to, you know, budget for zero. Uh, when I hear our own federal government saying those things, and including provincial governments and including other surrounding municipalities are already giving direction to their departments to hold the line, Guelph well, should not be immune to making sure that we look through those types of lenses as well. And that's what I hope we get to do as a team. Uh, both community staff and council for the upcoming budget in January. Well, speaking of zero increases, that brings us to our time limit for today. But uh, Mayor, <laughs> right. Mayor Guthrie, thank you for all your time today. You got it. Anytime. Okay. So that was Mayor Cam Guthrie uh, finishing off our 400th episode. And uh, we'll probably likely still be here on the eight, 800th episode, but we will... <laughs> We will we will let that unfold in due course. <laughs> We're gonna start giving out frequent flyer points or something or a punch, you know. Oh, we should. Five, five interviews get one free. That's not really a good deal, is it? I don't know. <laughs> you do nine interviews and you get a uh, a, a six inch sub or something. Um, we'll work on that. Uh, once we wrap up the show here, that's it for this week. We hope you liked it. You can stay connected to us at our website, opensourcesguelph.com. You can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire. And we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. If you would like to listen to this show again, you can download it from our website every Monday. You can get it at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson. And check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter. And if you're on the FM, stay tuned for Turtle Island Underground, 6 o'clock. Turtle Island Underground, new show here on CFRU. And uh, we will, uh, I guess, call it a day. Onward and upward to episode 500. In the meantime, we'll be back here next Thursday at 5 p.m. for episode 401. That's on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And we will all see you next Thursday as Open Sources continues into the future wherever we land. And we will see and you beyond. then. And beyond. Good, <laughs> good save. And beyond. See you then.